You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Ladies and gentlemen, your attention please. Now batting for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, FanRock Fantasy Baseball, the host, Al Melchior. FanRock Fantasy Baseball. Hello, everyone. Yes, you are listening to FanRag Fantasy Baseball. Welcome to the show. And uh, I'm your host, Al Melchior, on my uh, new home here at Fantasy Sports Network. Uh, Not new to the network, but uh, new to this time slot. Uh, It's my second Saturday show. Just uh, moving an hour back today. I'll be back at 2 p.m. Eastern next week, uh, but for the special uh, Labor Day weekend schedule here, Showing up just an hour later, but give you a full hour, a very full hour. In fact, lots and lots going on. Um, in fact, just watching uh, the, the Mets Astros, a uh, very uh, cool uh, ceremony there uh, prior to the game. Uh, and Astros uh, really uh, kicking things off there uh, in a big way, uh, unfortunately, at the expense of Matt Harvey. Uh, I'll get to that a little bit later. But let's get to the news. There is a lot of it. Of course, uh, lots of call-ups the last couple of days. Uh, a lot of trades. Two days ago, before the deadline, felt like July 31st all over again. And uh, we'll get to some of those new faces and new places, both the call-ups and uh, the players traded, uh, later on in the show. But uh, first of all, Adrian Beltre, not good news for him. He has been diagnosed with a grade 2 Hamstring strain, he is uh, expected to miss four weeks. And since there's roughly four weeks left in the season, most likely that's going to be it for Adrian Beltre unless the Rangers can uh, somehow get into the postseason. Uh, Byron Buxton has a bone contusion in his left hand. That's uh, probably the best news we could expect uh, from Buxton, who uh, was removed from a game a few days back. Uh, dropping the or releasing his hand from the bat. Uh, turned out there was a Hammett issue, Hammett bone, but uh, an MRI revealed that there's no break there for Buxton, just a bone contusion. And in fact, he pinch ran uh, yesterday against the Royals, so he is day to day. Michael Conforto is going to have surgery to repair the torn uh, shoulder capsule uh, in uh, the next few days, that according to MLB.com. Clayton Kershaw came off the DL last night uh, and (laughs) pitched uh, a Clayton Kershaw kind of game. Six scoreless innings at San Diego. uh, Definitely one of the highlights from yesterday's game. Games, uh, one of many, many highlights. And some closer intrigue. uh, Kelvin Herrera lifted again early from a game with lower forearm tightness. He is still considered day-to-day. Uh, and Mark Melanson is expected to be shut down soon. He uh, blew a save last night, although that was uh, actually in the eighth inning. Uh, and uh, he will have surgery, and the recovery time for that will be at least six weeks, according to the San Francisco Chronicle. So uh looks like Melanson's season is going to end very soon. Anyway, that's really just the beginning of it. A lot more news to get to. And uh, like I said, new faces and new places. At some of those players and their performances, other standout performances, and a look ahead to week 23. All that coming up in the hour. So stick around, I will be right back. In 20- 
2016, Scott Engel predicted an impressive second season from Melvin Gordon. Jake Seeley recommended Jordan Howard. Bobby McMahon forecasted a JGI breakthrough. George Kurtz saw a big year coming from Matt Ryan. And Joe Galena picked Rashard Matthews as one of his top sleepers. These predictions turn fantasy owners into champions, and the same crew returns this year. With more savvy calls in the exclusive Edge Fantasy Football Package at rotoexperts.com. Don't miss the calls that create winners. Register now and enter free radio at checkout for a special discount. Welcome back, everybody. This is FanDrive Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melchior. And uh, as I said in the previous segment, lots and lots of news to get to here. So I'm going to, in fact, get right back to it. Uh, Although I do want to just uh, skip back to uh, an item I really sort of sped through because I was running out of time in this segment. But as I mentioned, both uh, Kelvin Herrera and Mark Melanson uh, in the news. Uh, Melanson, according to San Francisco Chronicle, expected to be shut down to have uh, season-ending surgery. But uh, Herrera lifted with uh, lower forearm tightness, and uh, he is, again, considered day-to-day, as was the case, uh, I think, a little over a week ago uh, when there was a similar incident. But uh, I think it's it's time to start looking into who might get saves for the Royals. And, and I would say, unfortunately, it, to me, it seems like a situation that's ripe for a committee. In fact, there was a report uh, from the Kansas City Star several days ago saying that if Herrera did need a replacement, that some combination of Brandon Maurer, uh, Mike Miner, and Scott Alexander would uh, could be called upon. So, you know, that makes sense. Alexander, in, in both of the cases where Herrera was lifted early, came in after the fact, so it wasn't like Alexander was being sa- saved for the save. Uh, but, um, you know, that was essentially what, what did happen in that case. So I would think Maurer and Miner probably could uh, fill in in some sort of platoon-type situation. So even though things don't look great for Herrera, uh, I think unless you're in a league where saves are really scarce, uh, in, in that case, that case I might go with Miner, actually, even though he's the lefty, just because he's, he's you know, I think he's just the better of the two. And uh, he's been used quite a bit in the eighth inning. So, uh, But, I, yeah, it's uh, pretty much deep, deep league kind of stuff there. Well, let's get back to some of the other uh, news items. The White Sox have placed Larry Garcia on the 10-day disabled list and have called up uh, Reimer Liriano from AAA Charlotte. The Red Sox activated Jackie Bradley Jr. and also called up Sue Lin um, prior to this afternoon's game. Michael Fulmer, according to MLB.com, is going to miss at least two starts after recurrence of his ulnar neuritis, and he is scheduled, this is the the phrase nobody wants to hear, scheduled to see Dr. James Andrews. So uh, no need to uh, be using Michael Fulmer this week. I would say maybe premature to drop him, although I would say he's not beyond dropping because if you're going to see Dr. Andrews, Maybe you're going to miss more than just two starts. But, uh, again, we don't know until uh, until there is that visit. Um, but uh, I would say if you don't have to drop Fulmer at this point, there's not a really, really compelling reason to. And particularly if you're in a, a, a deeper league, uh, I would hold on just a little longer. Good news is uh, Carlos Correa expected back tomorrow uh, against the Mets. And Lance McCullers 
is scheduled to return on Wednesday and make his first start back from the DL against the Seattle Mariners at Safeco Field. So some more good Astros news there. And uh, that gives me a good little segue to check in. That's now 7 nothing, Astros in the bottom of the second, but Matt Harvey still in the game, apparently there. 7 nothing uh, Astros. Uh, let's see. Garrett Richards may be the Angels starter on Monday against the A's. Uh, he is back with the team now. So if it's not Monday, I would think it would probably be just a matter of time. But definitely uh, check that one out as the uh, as the lineup lock time emerges on Monday because you could get uh, at least one start uh, potentially from Garrett Richards this week. That would be pretty cool. You're going to get one start and only one start from Luis Castillo, uh, who pitched yesterday and uh, it was quoted in the recap piece on MLB.com that uh, he he said he was only going to make one more start. So he's lined up to face the Brewers on Wednesday. That's a really nice uh, matchup. Brewers have actually been one of the least productive teams in the second half after being one of the most productive teams in the first half. But the common link there is a lot of strikeouts. So uh, good uh, good opportunity to get one last start from Luis Castillo could be a really good one. And Clint Hurdle, according to the P- Pittsburgh Tribune Review, says that uh, Adam Frazier, Francisco Cervelli, and Gregory Polanco uh, could all be activated off the DL within a week. So that does not sound like uh, it's a, a good bet to start any of those players for Week 23 this week coming up, unless you're in a daily lineup league. But uh, sounds like they all could be ready uh, for a full week in Week 24. Justin Smoke missed his third consecutive game on Friday uh, with his calf injury, but he was out on Friday uh, as a precaution. So apparently he is very, very close to being back. And finally, uh, the Mariners, I'm sorry, actually not finally, I got one other item after this one. Uh, Mariners activated Gerard Dyson, who had been uh, on the DL with the strained groin. And just another thing I just uh, saw, uh, Chris Stratton's been scratched from his start uh, let me see. Appears Jeff Samarja is now scheduled to face the Cardinals. Uh, and that one's coming up at 1 o'clock or 105 Pacific time. So less than an hour away. No Chris Stratton. You got Jeff Samarja facing the Cardinals and Lance Lynn. Have not seen an explanation, though, as to why Stratton, Stratton excuse me, uh, just morphed him with Giancarlo uh, Stanton <laughs> there. Uh, but no explanation yet as to why Chris Stratton uh, has been scratched from his start. And that's unfortunate because he uh, has uh, been quite good. The last couple of starts has been gaining a lot of popularity. Uh, imagine now that he might not be somebody that you want to start next week. So we'll keep uh, keep our eyes on that one. A uh, few lineups in, including for the, uh, uh, excuse me, the 1240 Pacific start at Petco Park for the Padres and the Dodgers. Dodgers have a lot of uh, bench players in there starting against Clayton Richard. The um, Padres lineup looks pretty standard, but you got uh, Austin Barnes catching, batting second, Enrique Hernandez playing short. Of course, Corey Seager out, uh, but Enrique Hernandez at short, Rob Segadin at third base, Okoye Dixon in left field, and Alex Verdugo uh, batting eighth and playing center field. And, of course, Brock Stewart also uh, filling in there uh, with a spot start for the Dodgers. So very unusual look 
for the Dodgers uh, against the Padres and uh, haven't had a real chance to take a look at some of these other lives. We have both the Cardinals and the Giants lineups in. Tigers lineup is in. Reds lineup is in. Uh, as far as the Reds, got Philip Urban playing right field today. Been a little bit of a uh, uh, rotation there in right field. The Tigers, Efren Herrera filling in for Miguel Cabrera. Um, batting cleanup and playing first base. Jaime Candelaria, who was just recently recalled from AAA Toledo, is playing at third base with Nicholas Castellanos DHing for the Tigers today. No Brian McCann, not sorry, no Brian McCann, definitely no Brian McCann for the Tigers. No James McCann for the Tigers. Don't see that too off. You got Brian Holiday behind the plate against Corey Kluber and the red hot Cleveland Indians. Uh, all right. So, uh, Actually, let's take a quick look at weather. Don't want to miss that one. Uh, and there are a couple of games that you need to be mindful of, uh, sort of along the I-70 corridor, I suppose, uh, because it's both the Orioles and the Pirates not uh, looking great. Uh, Pirates hosting the Reds. That's 7.05 Eastern to PNC Park. 81% chance of precipitation at game time, going down only slightly for the next three to four hours after that. So that looks very dicey right there. Uh, Pirates and Reds. And that's, uh, as I mentioned, the Reds lineup is actually already in for that one. That's the one lineup that we have in for, uh, well, I guess Tigers is a 6-10 start. So I guess we call that a night game. But uh, from 7 o'clock on, Reds lineup is the only one that's in. That's uh, Tyler Malley and Jamison Tyone. So if you're looking at either of those pitchers, definitely look back at the weather for that one. And the other game, as I hinted at, the Orioles, they're hosting the Blue Jays, 705 at Camden Yards, 65% chance of rain at game time. That's holding steady for about two hours beyond game time. And uh, that is Wade Miley and Marcus Stroman scheduled to pitch in that one. So that's a quick run through of the weather and how it might impact your uh, your daily lineups. But uh, much, much more to come. Got to take a look at Friday's standout performances. Uh, yet another one from Doug Fister. He's been quietly uh, go, going back in time to classic Doug Fister. And I'll explain how and why uh, a little bit, but a lot of big performances there. And also take a look at some of the rookie call-ups or September call-ups, not all rookies necessarily, uh, and some of the players that have been traded and how they've performed in their new venues. And also take a look later on in the show to start pitchers. And uh, also, a few of your emails, not emails, sorry, Twitter, wrong medium, a few of your Twitter questions that you send in. So Action Pack Show, much more to come. Stick around. I will be right back. It's the summer, but you can already feel the howl of the winter wind. You don't want to go to the beach. You want to break out that heavy coat and head for the stadium parking lot because nothing makes you feel warmer than football season. But you don't have to wait for the calendar to flip a few times at rotoexperts.com where fantasy football season has already started. The award-winning team at Roto Experts has you ready for the new campaign with the return of the exclusive Edge Fantasy Football Package for 2017. Packed with tons of in-depth insights from the industry's top experts, we get you fully prepared for a championship campaign with the Deluxe Draft Package 
that includes projections, strategy articles, sleepers, busts, a cheat sheet generator, and so much more. And you're guaranteed additional access throughout the regular season. So put your gloves on now, even while it's hot outside, and get into midseason form. Go to rotoexperts.com and register for the 2017 Exclusive Edge Fantasy Football Package. Enter code FREERADIO at checkout for a very special discount. Welcome back, everybody. This is FanRag Fantasy Baseball, and I am Al Melchior, your host for this show. And we've got lots of performances worth breaking down to get to. But first, did you know that you can now take the world premiere 24-7 Fantasy Sports Radio Network with you wherever you go? Sure you can. All you do is just download the Fantasy Sports Radio app from the iTunes Store or from Google Play and listen for free anytime or anywhere. You can hear Tony Sincata on the treadmill or Greg Sussman on the subway or just relax with the king on the couch or with Jake Seeley when you are jogging. We'll keep you updated and informed wherever you go. Get the Fantasy Sports Radio app for free right now in the iTunes Store or on Google Play and take the experts with you. And uh, maybe you'll want to take Doug Fister with you uh, on your next uh, tour through your your weekly uh, rotation, your weekly lineups, because he is on quite a run lately. Uh, continued that yesterday against the Yankees at Yankee Stadium. Fister going seven innings against the, uh, the Yankees, just one run allowed on four hits and a walk with five strikeouts. But uh, that combined with his previous five starts, got a 3.05 ERA. He's, uh, or I'm sorry, he has struck out. 35 batters in 41 and a third innings, which is you know, a decent strikeout rate. And that's at his best. Fister was really just kind of an average strikeout pitcher. So he's he's kind of in that neighborhood right now. But the walks, which uh, sort of, you know, the, the control had sort of betrayed him a little bit in recent seasons. Walks, uh, just 11 of them over his last six starts. Again, that's covering 41 and a third innings. So that's a pretty nice ratio. But here's the other thing. If you remember, again, in this prime, Doug Fister, while merely average in strikeouts, was somebody who pitched with really good control, which is why I always got a kick out of the fact that his middle name is Wilds. But that's a complete tangent. So I'm going to get back to talking about Fister's performance. Uh, so pitched with really good control and got a lot of ground balls. So, uh, you know, command and control kind of guy. Uh, over the last uh, six starts, 55% ground ball rate and only three home runs allowed. So he is getting it done in much the way that he did during his best seasons. So that's pretty cool for Doug Fister. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I have to admit, I'm still not completely trusting this because it's been a long, long time since we've seen Fister pitch this well. But uh, he's he's definitely, I'd say, an option to consider in 12-team mixed leagues. Not far from a must start, but I think he's back in that mix of somebody you would consider. And I'd say the same thing is true of John Lackey. Not that he ever really left that uh, that kind of company because he's been widely owned all season long. Wasn't really earning it, though, in the first three months of the season. Through the end of June, he had a 5.24 ERA. And this is just wild. Speaking of Doug Wilds Fister. 24 home runs allowed over 92 and two-thirds innings through the end of June this season. Since then, John Lackey has a 390 ERA, 
which again doesn't you know put him in, in the must start category, but it, you know certainly gets him a lot closer. With eight home runs given up in fifty five and a third innings, it's still a little high, but at least it's a reasonable rate. You figure Lackey's probably going to be giving up some home runs. That's that's a reasonable rate. You'd like to see it a little bit lower. But uh, he added to that good string of starts since the beginning of July by pitching seven scoreless innings against the Braves on Saturday. Five strikeouts, no walks, just three hits. So really good performance against a team that's not that great against righties. Um, they've been very, very good against left-handed pitching, the Braves. So uh, I wouldn't just uh, – you got, you got to look at – um, who they're facing before you kind of write them off as a, uh, you know, as a, as a matchup, as a, as an easy matchup. And Joe Biagini, he's been back in the Blue Jays rotation recently. And is this a breakout start? I don't know. Uh, against the, the Orioles on Saturday, seven scoreless for Biagini with 10 big strikeouts and only one walk. So that is great to see. And the thing that got me kind of excited about Biagini when he first moved from the bullpen to the Blue Jays rotation was that this was a guy who I thought could have good control. I didn't expect him to be, you know, a 10 strikeouts and seven innings kind of guy. I actually expect him to be, you know, maybe more in the, the kind of, you know, classic Doug Fister range, not a lot of strikeouts really, but I was good with it because really good control and a lot of ground balls. And we saw this against a powerful Orioles lineups, 12, I'm sorry, 14 ground balls against the Orioles, only two fly balls. So that is definitely, if you're going to get it done against the, the Orioles, particularly at Camden Yards, that's that's how you got to do it. Keep the ball on the ground. So uh, that was a nice pitcher's duel with Kevin Gosman, uh, who's been on a nice run for quite a while now. But Biagini, this is really the first good start in a long time. Uh, is this the matchup or is this Joe Biagini? I'm, I'm not really sure because based on what he had done earlier in the year in the bullpen, I did think he was capable of being a really good starter. But 10 strikeouts, that's not something expected from him. And we've seen that from a lot of pitchers against the Orioles who have not been super selective this season. So I'm in a kind of wait-and-see mode with Joe Biagini right now. But, you know, only four weeks left. But if he, if he can maybe help me out those last three weeks, that'd be worth something. I am no longer in wait-and-see mode with Denelson Lamette. Man, this guy has been really, really good and turned in a fantastic start against the Dodgers. Six innings, one run on six hits, three walks, 10, 10 strikeouts. Unfortunately, he was being opposed by Clayton Kershaw. That's a tough break. But uh, Lamette's been good against pretty much everybody lately. His last eight starts, Lamette's got a 249 ERA. He has 53 strikeouts over 47 innings. That's not a big departure if a departure at all from what he was doing earlier in the season, but um, only two home runs over those eight starts. That's incredible. And I'm going to get back to that because that's the key because with Lamette, the thing that I would say about him going back a month and a half, two months ago is sure. He's going to give, give you strikeouts every single start. He was very consistent in that regard. You don't know when he's going to give up too many walks and when he's going to give up too many extra base hits. The walks are still a, a bit of a problem. He has walked 22 batters over those 47 innings uh, that have uh, comprised his last eight starts. So the walks are still a problem, but you can basically check off another box because, again, only two home runs in the last eight games. And 
he is backing that up, and not just by pitching his home games at Petco Park, but um, his average fly ball distance over these last eight starts, 285 feet. That is just microscopic. <laughs> uh, I've said it many times on the show before, but it's worth repeating whenever I look at this stat. If you've got an average fly ball distance basically under about 310 feet, you're doing something pretty good and not all that common. If you're under 300 feet, you're doing something exceptionally well in terms of limiting the damage on fly balls. He's a fly ball pitcher. There's not any getting around that. But if he's giving, if he's getting a lot of pop-ups and, and, and a lot of you know soft, lazy fly balls, that's going to work because he's going to miss a lot of bats too. So balls in play are not going to be a, a relatively big part of the equation with Denelson Lamette. The only pitcher... Over that same span of time, which is almost the entire second half, we go back to eight starts ago for Lamette in late late July. The only the only uh, starting pitcher that has a lower average fly ball distance than Lamette is Jose Barrios, another prolific fly ball pitcher. So uh, I am all all in on Lamette. I can't really say the same thing for Blake Snell, even though he's been on a great run, too. And he had a really nice start for the most part against the White Sox. Just allowed one run in six and two-thirds innings on six hits uh, and one walk. And that's been a nice constant for Snell lately, that the walks have come down. That is critical. Oh, and by the way, the one run was unearned uh, for Snell, I should mention. But only one strikeout. And he's made a little bit of of a Faustian bargain here. Because uh, while Snell, over his last five starts, he has a 1.91 ERA. He struck out 24 batters in 33 innings. That's uh, that's Fister-like, right? Maybe even a little bit lower. Uh, nine walks. So that's a, that's a huge improvement. And the thing with Blake Snell is last season, he had a very similar profile in a way to Denelson Lamette. And I, I'm just, I didn't really, I didn't put this in my notes or anything. I'm just kind of connecting the dots right now, thinking that last year Snell got the strikeouts, was really wild, uh, gave up a lot of fly balls, but had a very, very low average fly ball distance. Um, he has been very, he's been good in limiting extra base hits, but the difference is that Snell's doing it by getting more ground balls. Uh, 50% ground ball rate over his last five starts. So some things to really like there about Blake Snell. I think probably this version of Blake Snell is more usable in fantasy than last year's version or certainly earlier this season's version where he was just wild and, and not going deep into starts at all. I'll take, I'll sacrifice the strikeouts and especially in a points league, but even in Roto, he's, he's going deeper into games, more likely to give you a win, probably going to, to give you a, a pretty decent whip now. But uh, the, if, if you look for strikeouts, uh, you may not get them from Blake Snell. So that that is a little bit disappointing. Um, Taiwan Walker, he's been pretty steady this year. For somebody who I have associated with the word inconsistent over his career, been pretty steady this year. Had a, a nice start at Coors Field. This is what really caught my eye. Only five innings, and, and Walker has not been going deep into games consistently at all. But... Um, five scoreless innings, 10 strikeouts, three walks, just three hits, uh, and only given up one run over his last three starts. But um, I don't know, not really quite there yet with Walker, even though he's been pretty consistent, even though he's on kind of a nice run right now. 
not going all that deep into games. And two of those starts, by the way, came against the Mets and the Giants uh, out of those three starts. So, um, yeah, not a must-start guy for me, but I'd say probably must-own. Anyhow, uh, more performances from Saturday, or from me, Friday to go over. And uh, new faces new places. Check that out in the next segment as well, so stick around. In 2016, Scott Engel predicted an impressive second season from Melvin Gordon. Jake Seeley recommended Jordan Howard. Bobby McMahon forecasted a JGI breakthrough. George Kurtz saw a big year coming from Matt Ryan. And Joe Galena picked Rashard Matthews as one of his top sleepers. These predictions turned fantasy owners into champions, and the same crew returns this year. With more savvy calls in the exclusive Edge Fantasy Football Package at rotoexperts.com. Don't miss the calls that create winners. Register now and enter free radio at checkout for a special discount. Welcome back, everybody. This is FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melchior. And uh, yeah, I said very early on the show, this is kind of a new landing spot for me uh, doing the Saturday show. Uh, you know, Previously, was on here five days a week, including uh, Sunday show, a two-hour Sunday show. And uh, I think it's showing because I'm pretty sure that I refer- referred to a lot of the Friday games as Saturday games. So I apologize if I did do that. And I'm almost positive that I did. So I'll try to keep my days straight here, especially if you're listening uh, to this uh, on demand. Uh, and he's like, well, that didn't happen on Saturday. Yeah, uh, yesterday was Friday. So I'll try to keep that straight. And uh, on that note, to get to a few more of uh, Friday's performances, one pitcher I did not get to in the previous segment is Johnny Cueto. His first start back off the disabled list uh, could be worse, could have been better facing the Cardinals, going five and a third innings and only giving up two runs on four hits and a walk, but only two strikeouts. So, uh, you know, I'd say probably more encouraging than not as a first step back from the DL. Um, That was the game also where Mark Melanson blew the save. So uh, there was actually a chance for the Giants to win that one. Uh, And then Sam Dyson took over in the ninth inning. And unfortunately for the Giants and for Dyson and for Dyson's fantasy owners, it was a return to his early season Texas Rangers form. He only got one out, gave up five runs on five hits. Ugly, ugly performance for Dyson. And it's, uh, in a way, for at least for fantasy owners, really bad timing with the news that Melanthin's probably going to have season uh, season ending surgery soon. So the Dyson owner has been looking over his shoulder, you know, waiting for Melanson to take that job back, which was the, the news from, you know, a couple weeks back, or at least the report. Uh, and so with the news that Melanson's likely to have surgery, before the season ends, the you know Dyson owner can just kind of relax. But not that I think that his job is in danger right now. But uh, if, if he's back to being the way he was before he came to the Giants, then you, you got to look for another option. Very premature to take that view right now. But and I'm not a Dyson owner, but I imagine if I was, that would be what I'd be thinking. Like, oh no, here we go again. So we just got to keep an eye on Dyson for right now. If you're in a daily lineup league, I would maybe switch him out. For the next day or two, maybe till his next appearance. Uh, certainly wouldn't drop Dyson in any sort of format yet, though. I mean, it's one game. It happens to the best best of relievers. Uh, take a look at a few hitters from uh, from Friday's action. 
AJ Pollock, the question that I got over and over again a couple weeks back is, what happened to the power? AJ Pollock responds and says, your power is right here. Uh, he tripled on Friday, uh, part of a two-for-four effort, also walked in that one. And now over his uh, last 14 games, he's only hitting 250, but he's hit four home runs along with that triple and also a double uh, over a 59 plate appearance span and only four strikeouts. So I look at that combo meal there and I think if I'm in a league and I have leagues that don't, haven't had a trade deadline yet, if I'm in a league that's got a trade deadline, maybe I go knocking on the door of the, the AJ Pollock owner because the power is back. And the batting average is not, but he's not striking out at all. He has a 205 batting average on uh, balls in play, and yet there's nothing in his profile in terms of a low line drive rate or a high pop-up rate or um, too many fly balls in general. Nothing of that sort. Not a low uh, hard contact rate, which you would expect with the power he's hitting with. Everything looks good for Pollock to be the good to above average balls in play hitter that he's been over his career. He's been better than average, and he's way below average over his last 14 games. So it's an excellent buy-low opportunity at A.J. Pollock if you're in a league where that is a possibility. So Albert Pools, I haven't talked about him much all season long because there hasn't been much to say other than it looks like he is very much on the, the path to steep decline. More strikeouts again this year, less power again this year. But he has been on a little bit of an upswing last few weeks. Had a four-hit game on Friday uh, with a double, just his 14th double of the season. But over his last 18 games, he's hitting 303 with four home runs. And one reason that I'm going out of my way here to make a point about Albert Pujols and to talk about the fact that he has been hitting better for the last three weeks or so He's got a really nice schedule. All the Angels have a really nice schedule next week. The venues aren't great. But then again, when they play at home, the venue's not great for, for power hitting. But the pitching staffs, they're, the Angels are playing the A's in Oakland and then the Mariners in Seattle. So there is not an ace on either of those staffs right now. You know, Mariners uh, hopefully getting... Some some help uh, down the line from from James Paxton and Felix Hernandez, but right now that's not a very good rotation. Right now the Athletics rotation not a very good rotation. Sean Nye has not been uh, his better version of himself lately. Nobody's really pitching with any sort of consistency there. So there's a real opportunity with a, an improved Angels lineup now uh, for Pujols hitting right in the middle of that and hitting better for him to have a really good week. Something to think about. I know you got a lot of good first base choices out of there. I probably wouldn't be going out of my way to add Pujols or, or activate him or trade for him in a 12-team mixed league. But 14-team, 15-team, deeper, deeper than that, uh, I, I'd be uh, seeing what I could do, uh, at least for the next week. And one more hitting performance from Friday, Delino DeShields, two for three with two walks his second triple of the year, and his 26th and 27th stolen bases of the season. And I'm pointing this out again, not just to highlight that he had a, a really great game, but also because the next series for DeShields and the Rangers is the Atlanta Braves. And with Tyler Flowers hurt, 
Uh, I would expect that Kurt Suzuki is go- going to get a lot of the playing time behind the plate. And he has not been a good defensive catcher in terms of throwing out base runners, maybe his whole career, certainly for a very long time. This season, no exception. He has thrown out nine attempted base stealers this year. Nine out of 44 chances. That is an abysmal rate. Could be a big, big series for Delino DeShields. Just saying. Uh, Some other performances from Friday I want to get to, but these all have a theme. These are players who were either just called up with the expanded rosters or recently moved uh, at or just before uh, not the deadline, because there could still be trades. I guess the uh, what we call this one, the trade deadline where players could still play the postseason. I'm sure there's a more concise name for it, but there was a lot of trade action uh, on uh, August 31st of the day or two before that. Uh, so it's it's a deadline of sorts. And uh, let's start with a couple of the call-ups. Dylan Peters and Brian Anderson for the Marlins both started uh, yesterday against the Phillies. Peters was outstanding. I mean, I, I, I liked Peters. I was disappointed when he broke his thumb back in April. I had picked him up in a dynasty league. I was kind of psyched for him uh, because I figured with the, with the state of the Marlins rotation, he'd have a shot to get called up this year. I thought much, much earlier than this. But, of course, with, with the thumb injury, he was out for, for quite a while. But it didn't really take him long to find his form once he came back. And he just kept rolling against the Phillies. I mean, granted, pretty good matchup. But seven scoreless innings with eight strikeouts, three hits, and three walks. Man, what a what a debut for Dylan Peters. In fact, he tied Jose Fernandez's team record for strikeouts in a major league debut. 13 ground balls for Peters. And uh, just like talking about Doug Fister earlier on and uh, Joe Biagini, I think there's a similar appeal here with, with Peters, that he's had superb control in the minor leagues wasn't really on display for this debut. And that's understandable. Uh, I mean, frankly, you know, any prospect, you know, much higher title than Peters, I wouldn't hold it against them if they were terrible at their major league debut. That, that's a huge moment. Uh, but uh, so maybe not his typical control, but he's also been a good ground ball pitcher and he got 13 grounders against the Phillies, only three fly balls. So very, very encouraging debut there for Dylan Peters. Brian Anderson, not quite as much uh, to get a single, went one for three. But he really took things up a notch, uh, getting promoted midseason from double-A AA to triple-A uh, with New Orleans at 339 with eight homers in just 33 games. And I imagine that Anderson will get a lot of playing time at third base for the Marlins. So there's going to be a lot, I think, of interesting names getting called up. There already have been. But I think Anderson is one of the few who could see steady playing time and actually make an impact. I'd say not in a 12-teamer, not yet. But even if some of those AAA stats carry over, becomes you know anywhere close to carrying over, 14-team mixed league a deeper, uh, I, I think it's worth making a move for, for Brian Anderson. But probably the, the most anticipated debut came from Jack Flaherty, just called up for the Cardinals, started to get the Giants, looked like a very good matchup was at AT&T Park. It did not go too well for Jack Flaherty. Lasted only four innings, uh, allowed five runs on eight hits and a walk, did get six strikeouts. So uh, hopefully better things uh, ahead for Flaherty. Uh, Like I said, even the best uh, prospects, I would hold them against them if they flopped in their debut, and Flaherty kind of did flop. Uh, But uh, if you picked him up, even in a 12-teamer, wouldn't drop him just yet. 
I uh, think that there could still still be some good performances to come for Flaherty. Uh, anyways, lots, lots more to come still. Uh, Mike Leake's Mariners debut, review that one. Uh, Justin Upton, Brandon Phillips, their uh, Angels debuts. Take a quick look at that. Went pretty well for both of them. And a look towards next week with uh, an interesting proposition about Andrew McCutcheon and a few uh, two-star pitchers to think about and some, some uh, Twitter questions. Got to get that all in. So stick around. I will get that all in in the next segment. So I'll be right back. Ezekiel Elliott, Carl Anthony Towns, Corey Seager. Those are the rookies of the year, much like the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. The fastest growing fantasy sports network on radio is completely free 24-7. Listen to us live at FNTSY.com slash radio or download the app right now in the Google Play Store or on iTunes. Welcome back, everyone. This is FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melchior. And going to wind up here with a few more players that have changed addresses and how they are doing with their new teams. But uh, focus is really going to be here on getting you ready for for next week. Got a few Twitter questions. Got a few uh, two-start recommendations to make. And uh, also take a look at, at Andrew McCutcheon. But uh, before that, just real quick here, Mike Leake made his Mariners debut against the Oakland Athletics and did quite well. Seven innings, two runs on eight hits and a walk with seven strikeouts. Haven't seen a lot of that from Mike Leake in in quite a while. Got 14 swings and misses, though. A's are a team that are not so good at the making of contact. So I'm going to chalk at least some of that one up to uh, to the matchup. And not uh, you know get get fully on board here with with Mike Leake uh, over the last four weeks. Need to see more there. Of course, don't really need to see more from Justin Upton. He's had a really nice season, and that continued uh, with the Angels in his debut there. Two for five with his 38th double of the season. Also walked, and Brandon Phillips in the leadoff spot uh, went one for five with a walk. So not a bad uh, not a bad debut for either Justin Upton or Brandon Phillips with their their new squad. Uh, Okay, well, let's uh, take a a look towards next week. And one of the biggest dilemmas that uh, I've got is whether I start or sit Andrew McCutcheon. And I'm generally a really big believer in that you start your studs. And um, I I wouldn't even think about this, but there's, there's a lot of things lining up against McCutcheon. First of all, he missed a game uh, back in early uh, April, I think it was the 11th, 10th or 11th, with a, a knee injury. And since he's come back, um, really has not produced a whole lot. He's hit 222, which is one home run uh, during that time. He is striking out more. He's hitting more ground balls. And also, when you look at his matchups, he's got the the Cubs at home. Pirates have the, or I'm sorry, yeah, the Pirates have the Cubs at home. And then they uh, go to St. Louis to play the Cardinals. At home, 
this season. McCutcheon has a 159 ISO, so not really that much power. The powers come largely on the road this season for Andrew McCutcheon. And over his career at Bush Stadium, 137 ISO, so even less. So McCutcheon's somebody who's who's a little bit vulnerable based on what the venue is. And then you're talking about the Cubs rotation and the Cardinals rotation. That's a whole lot of stuff lining up against McCutcheon. So in a three outfielder league, 10-team, 12-team, I would sit him. And I, I don't take that sort of thing lightly. Uh, all right, moving on. Oh, I'm sorry. I had a Twitter poll real quick uh, asking the same question. Only 38% of people said they would sit McCutcheon in a 12-team mixed league, although I didn't specify three or five outfielder. So maybe not the best question. Anyhow, moving on. Pitchers I like that are could be on waivers uh, for two starts. Uh, R.A. Dickey versus Texas versus Miami. Can't believe Dickey's not more owned at this point. Uh, I, I think he's totally worth it. And same thing, Andrew Kashner, I've spent a lot of time this season talking about how I think Kashner's legit. Uh, deep into the dog days, he's continued to be uh, very good, at least for ERA. Uh, he's got the Braves, who I mentioned earlier, show not that great against the righties. And he's got the Yankees at home. That's a tough one. But um, you figure he's at least going to get that Atlanta start. Maybe he doesn't even get that second start. I would, would roll the dice to Kashner. Jake Junis at Detroit versus Minnesota. And Robert Stevenson versus Milwaukee at the Mets. Both were terrific in August. Both had sub-three ERAs. Both had a lot of strikeouts. Junis also only had two walks the entire month. So I would. both are widely available. I would start either in a uh, 12-team mix league. Okay, very quickly here because I'm almost out of time. From at Philly Guy, 5'11". Should I bench Cano for Scooter Jeanette in the playoffs? No, I would start my studs there. Uh, I'd start both if possible. And uh, I've got a rank uh, question here from um, Isons33. I'm going to have to answer that one back on Twitter. So sorry about that because I am just about out of time. Anyhow, stay tuned for Fantasy Football Frenzy. Going to hand it back over to Corey Parson. Have a great day. Does your fantasy team suck? Maybe you need us. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network. The only free 24-7 Fantasy Sports Radio Network.